0: hey everyone today i'll be joined by dr john ayers he's a hopkins and harvard trained computational epidemiologist he published a study in jama regarding internet searches for mifepristone which is the abortion medication uh, for the majority of uh, abortions these days are done that way as well as uh, helping people with incomplete abortions we'll talk a little bit about that and dr rebecca heiss is in here uh, stress physiologist she's going to talk about uh, what this is doing to women generally uh, and uh, she's also an evolutionary biologist, stress expert who research has been transformative according to the National Science Foundation. So we'll get into all that and uh, let's try to have, I know there's feelings all over the place on all sides of this. Uh, as usual, I'm sort of, I com- I'm sensitive to both sides. I understand both sides. I'm not strongly one way or another. As you know, I get upset when the proper practice of medicine is interfered with, so that's sort of where a lot of my energy is gonna be sort of placed but let's try to have this uh just a good conversation about this see if that's possible all right start after this our laws as it pertain to substances are draconian and bizarre the psychopaths start this way. he was an alcoholic because of social media and pornography ptsd love addiction fentanyl and heroin ridiculous <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a doctor for. <laughs> sake. where the hell you think i learned that Just watching our little intro today, it uh, has uh, more meaning than usual. That uh, particular interview when I was speaking to Anderson Cooper about going to treatment before you kill people, I was talking about the Sandy Hook kid. I might have been the the Florida shooter. I mean, these were, again, these are all the same story. These are kids with severe, chronic mental health issues that the parents ignore. And the one kid, what was the name of the Florida school? Anybody help me with that? The Florida school, uh, he had... Parkland. Thank you. Thank he you, he had been in treatment and was doing well. His mom died and they had no way to get him to stay in treatment because the laws don't allow that. And you get a bunch of dead kids as a result. Well done, everybody. And we've done really very little to correct that. We've sort of changed how access to guns maybe here and there can be influenced that we've done nothing to urge people with serious illnesses that go to serious places to stay in treatment so anyway so who Something called it? assisted outpatient treatment takes care of that up, very but nicely. who is
1: the shooter in chicago yeah, I didn't
0: want to get into it it's just some kids clearly kid? yes Young? yes um uh shoot you made me lose my train of thought Sorry. completely here just the, just the image of that kid so disturbing to me and and what he did i just almost can't even think about it. anyway let me talk about what we're gonna, we are going to get into today. We're going to get into another disturbing topic for everybody, but it's on people's minds. And of course, the overturning of Roe versus Wade has created a whole bunch of issues. Uh, as I said, I want to have just a conversation about it, talk about it as realistically as possible. Uh, as I always say, the part that gets me is when they interfere with practice of medicine. That, that is, uh, frankly, disgusting when they do that. They have no business there, but... Uh, strangely enough, the government seems to be there. Also, we are, of course, on Twitter Spaces as we always are. And if you want to uh, speak to my guests or ask me a question, you just raise your hand, and uh, the requested just request. uh, yeah, you request, and the requested thing co- turns on, and I can bring you up to the podium. And if you do come up and ask a question, uh, you are also by uh, requesting you are agreeing to be uh, streamed on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, Rumble, wherever else we show up, uh, you will be there. So first to my guest, Dr. John Ayers, Johns Hopkins, Harvard-trained computational epidemiologist. His study is, uh, I wonder if, Caleb, we can post a link to it, Susan, you can post a link to it. It's a JAMA study, Uh, Internet Searches for Abortion Medications Following the Leaked Supreme Court of the United States Ruling. Very simple title. Uh, And indeed, guess what? Showed a markedly positive result. And also Dr. Rebecca Heiss. a stress physiologist, keynote speaker, talking about women uh, and uh, toxic patterns that hold them hostage is one of her topics of interest. And of course, she's hearing a lot about how this decision is affecting women as well. Please welcome our guests. Alright, okay. guys. Well, John is up here first. So, John, you are first, which is exactly what I intended. Oh, there's there's Rebecca. Thank you also. But Rebecca, we're 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 gonna push you back into the green room for a second while I talk to John about his study, and then we'll get your thoughts on it. Okay? There we go. So, John, uh, how how did this study come about? Did you see some data that you that you that you suspected might be positive? Was it just a uh, a hypothesis you figured might yield fruit or how'd this come about?
2: Really, it connects to a a decades-long stream of research that we've been doing, and that is often in public health, we, the experts, feel like we already know the problems and we already have the answers to those problems. Instead, we have a bottom-up approach of of dealing with public health, and that is saying, what are the needs of the public? And one of the ways you can hear those is by going where they're already voicing them. And that's on internet search engines, Mm. which is in this case. And we looked at aggregate internet searches on Google uh, weekly. And before and after the leaked SCOTUS ruling, we saw a 163% increase in searches for abortion pill and specific abortion medications above what was expected. And that was an all-time national high. And in addition to that national high, we saw that there was more searches in states that had more restrictive reproductive rights. And that just wasn't on the extremes where you see like California compared to uh, Oklahoma. It was a dose response relationship. And that is the more restricted the rights to access to potential abortion medications were, you saw more searches for these. And so that all time high was about 350,000 women searching for abortion medications the week of the SCOTUS leak. Obviously, our study was done before the ruling came out, but it may presage what's happening now and what will happen again in the future as the abortion landscape becomes more fractured. You know, we see policies are going to be changing uh, by state and also federally with FDA getting involved now. What will that do to demand?
0: So uh, I'm just curious: was it just the word mifepristone or abortion pill, or was it a whole series of words you screened for? Or was it how do I get a, or where can I find? It's, it's,
2: it's more the latter. So, how pissed a measure of demand for these medications? So, for Prestone and misoprostol are the two abortion medications. We looked at queries involving those. And then, of course, layman terms like get an abortion pill.
0: Mm. Yeah, I, I'm actually surprised it wasn't even higher, to tell you the truth. And, and I bet I, I'm bet, you know, you maybe after the decision, it, got, it kept going. Have you even continued to monitor it?
2: We haven't continued to monitor, but that is the all-time high going back until 2004. And, you know, obviously, you know, scarcity is driving this. There might be some indication of stockpiling or wanting to learn where you may access it if you do have a restriction where you live in terms of access. And then potentially there's a baseline number there, people who are actually, you know, pregnant or, you know, at risk of becoming pregnant who want to get access to it in the near term, you know, and that's the combination of sources here. But the big thing here is what are they finding? And so when you see that need, what's the results that people are getting, right? And what's our message Mm. to them? And if you look at what people are getting on these search engines in terms of results, it's appalling. You know, we're not there. You know, you have a a Google One Box for suicide, for addiction, you search for those, you get, here's the number to call, here's the information that's curated, it's at the top of the page. We do the same when it comes to COVID-19 now, but when it comes to abortion, Mm. it's the Wild West. Women are in, in dire straits, they're searching for these medications, and when they need an answer, it's just up to the whims of, you know, page rank, whatever website that day happens to have more links to it or advertising where you can have potentially nefarious actors, you know, promoting black market medications and taking advantage of people. Maybe they do or do not even get the medication. Right. So it's it really, what guessing. our study does is it identifies this need, but it says, what should we be doing to meet the need? It doesn't end with just saying a description. Right. It's like, now you know what you do.
0: I, I'm guessing that is it I, I was looking at the top. I just put it in my you know Google search and I got receive abortion pills at home, ships directly to your door, FDA approved. Then uh, the abortion pill, get the facts. Uh, how does the abortion pill work? Those are the first four things that come up for me as well as. Uh, some locations where I can get, uh, actually go to get that. But this California, right? I mean, I'm assuming it's, it's almost, is it user specific? What comes up in these first four or five, uh, entries? Yeah. What
2: comes up is going to be user specific and it's clearly changing. You know, we don't know, mm. you know, who, who should be the source of this information, right? It's complex now, right? right? So before, when we did our right. study, there were, there wasn't even these advertisements, these advertisements have come up since our study. That's what's in the top of your search results. It's actually advertisements. You know, who's advertising? What are they advertising? Who should be the messenger in a theoretical way of information that provides people with their options? You know, in healthcare, we're about providing people options. We're not about sending them down a one track path here. We want them to have evidence-based information about the options that are available to them. What does that look like? I know that gets more complicated now because it may vary by state, but we need to meet women where they are. And when they're searching, you know, what should be that approach? And should we take it in to public care and go, what can we do to prioritize information? And that we haven't been doing that. And even though you're seeing results in your specific search, that's not indicative of what all women are potentially seeing. And also, that's not necessarily indicative that that is actionable information that is guiding you in the best way forward on making your ultimate decision about how to, or if not to, access these medications.
0: Caleb, are you saying put up a private window and then do a search? Is that what you were saying? Because I did that. I got the exact same results. Yeah. Is that that, that what you're saying?
2: That could sometimes happen. Usually it's uh, Google traces and tracks what you're doing all the time. And so then they'll change the results that you see if you're logged in on Google. Mm. But if you open an incognito window, sometimes it doesn't have the same cookies and tracking. And so it might show a different result. Yeah. But the we thing is, the Doctors, keep in mind here, is it, it's search for suicide and there's one uniform response, right? Search for COVID nineteen and there's one uniform well, response. If there's curation happening and, and yeah. we're reaching out to people and we're not here yeah. and we should.
0: No, I get I get where you're going, and I'm struggling with that now because I don't understand the nuances of the the legal landscape. It's because on one hand I think to myself, well, Let's let the states figure this out. California, New York, we're good. <laughs> we just one. Let's go one at a time here, and and California is going to have a whole tourism thing to bring people in here for abortions and whatnot, which is of questionable constitutional legality given interstate commerce laws, and so the, then then the same thing occurs to me. How can you have a single unified national number without violating interstate commerce laws? And do we have to have another Supreme Court decision about what public health is able to do in response to this crisis? You know what I'm asking? You see, see the, what I'm, I'm trying to figure it out as we go here.
2: I get that it's complicated (laughs) in that sense, but, but I'm a keep it simple, stupid kind of guy, you know, and, and information, there's no restrictions on information that can or cannot be available right and in that vacuum i i don't know i won't well, know wait a you, minute if, if you it's search, how
0: to how if it's how to make a bomb or how to kill somebody or something i i think the i think somebody might take an issue with it and who knows what they this. would do with this you, I, I don't know
2: if you search for if you search for how to buy oxycontin you'll find results that will direct you, you don't have oh
0: to yeah you will you know, <laughs> <and true>. they're, <laughs> you'll and find international they're mostly results going
2: to be fake and who knows what you're going to eat you might end up with fentanyl and then yep. dying
0: we yeah. we don't yeah. want that thing. no yeah you're right listen i again but i don't have I, an opinion about it. i'm trying to figure out how we deal with it
2: but in terms of the opinion i think you know one of the ways of looking at our study is 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 by identifying a need you know i'm all mm. about data driven public health you know how do we respond to the needs yeah. and by identifying a need you can engender responses i don't know what the policy mm. response is but imagine on the most extreme pro-choice you can see like oh this is this need we need to meet it get access to these pills with the least amount of restrictions as possible. On the other end, though, maybe what we're seeing here is hundreds of thousands of women each week, you know, who are in a situation where they have this need. And maybe that perspective is harm reduction. How do we minimize the risk they have to go it alone? Seven percent of women of reproductive age have attempted a self-managed abortion in their lifetime. That's women 18 to 45. That's women who lived entirely under the Roe v Wade era. What does that number look like now? What will that number look like Mm. in the future? And how do we minimize those Mm -hmm. harms? I think, from a policy standpoint, when we talk about the harms that exist here and the need that exists here, I think it will harden, it will soften even the hardest heart, whether it's extreme pro life or extreme pro shores, because you can see that need
0: right uh, and, and it, it feels like it's going to be a tapestry of of state laws unless these interstate commerce issues for or if the federal government creates legislation right the, the point is it, it it's not going to be i don't think the courts are well, going to be the place where this all gets figured out it's going to be the legislatures
2: well that's kind of the thing here to keep in mind is like here we are talking you know a couple of smart yeah. fellas right we're aware we have our finger on the pulse and there's confusion about what the landscape is. Now put yourself oh, in a my God. situation, right? Oh, and yeah, so the, that's when it becomes important. A, yeah. And the amount of misinformation on this, you know, misinformation is now the, the hot term, right? The amount of misinformation mm-hmm. on this is extraordinarily high. you know, where people think like, oh, it's now, I can't get it in this state or that state, and they don't know, you know, where it's available and not available. I mean, take, for example, the, the actual case that SCOTUS ruled on was Mississippi. Mississippi's law was restricting access to abortion after 15 weeks. Now, if you read the news, you might think, well, it's zero weeks now. You can't get it in Mississippi. But the specific law there that they were arguing over was 15-week restriction. Now, obviously, abortion medication has its own restriction. It's only viable up until 10 weeks or 11 weeks on the most extreme case. But, you know, here is a case where if you're searching in that state, you may not realize what's available to you and then you you don't get it or you may get misguided down the process of going to other nefarious providers and get confused and, and end up in a host of situations of, of harm and so we just want to minimize that harm by giving people actionable well, but, but I, now you're
0: getting into yeah i i got you and now you're getting into the zone that troubles me greatly which is these, these women that are confused should be able to go to a medical practitioner and get a, an opinion and a treatment and a treatment plan. Even if it's not available in that state, there should be some way the medical system does what it does. Um, even if that doctor feels an ethical uh, obligation not to uh, allow this abortion to go through, I, I would argue that he or she would have an ethical obligation to refer that patient to somebody who could help, if that's what that patient wanted. And, and I and I don't think Absolutely. we even understand as physicians. Yeah, I don't think we as physicians understand how this is going to work. And there's a lot of weird situations too. You know, with really serious medical problems to both mom and the baby. And you know, what are we supposed to do? And I, I'm hearing you know lots of hysteria around incomplete abortions where people need a DNC and just remnant products of a placenta aren't going to be able to be removed. No, that's not going to be the case. That's re- that's insane but maybe doctors are going to get nervous about it and refuse to do those procedures. I don't know. This, this is the part of this that gets wild for me. Do you know anything about how this is going to play out or is it just going to be literally state by state?
2: I think it's literally going to be state by state. You know, president Biden in response the day after this SCOTUS ruling was actually announced, uh, said that he was going to maintain access to these specific abortion medications throughout the country. That was then, uh, said by the attorney general and then followed up by the fda the, the next week that they're going to maintain access but but that's a little complicated right the, the federal government when it comes mm-hmm. to these medications only regulates the marketplace that's what the fda regulates what products and devices can be sold or can be available for use in the united states it doesn't regulate the practice of healthcare. you know what physicians right which do, I, listen that's left up to the you're, states you're so
0: right no, it's you
2: know, so barely it, up were. to the
0: states. Frankly, the it's up to professional societies and things also. And so, you know, it, it's the the licensure is one thing, but the professional standards really are the are the professional organizations. And it's funny, I was uh, on a on a local television show here back during, I guess it was something. One of the crazy things that was happening across COVID, and my. Um, My co-host was yelling at me, but the FDA says you can't do that. I said, no, the FDA doesn't do shit. The FDA has nothing to do with the practice of medicine. The FDA determines what can come to market and the parameters under which they come to the market. What we do with it, that's up to us as physicians, period. Now, we we have a malpractice liability on one side. We have our professional organizations that have professional guidelines on the other. But ultimately, our job is to make the best decision for the patient sitting in front of us, independent of all of it. And the FDA has... Zero to do with it, which people need to understand that. But the FDA does determine what can come around.
2: And they've said access will remain for these medications because obviously abortion medications don't have the sole use of being used for an abortion. They can be used in other situations. Actually, potentially a majority of use cases of these medications is used for us to initiate a stillbirth where the child has already died.
0: Right, or incomplete products, that kind of thing. But so so one of the concerns I have is <laughs> that the, the issue around implantation is gonna become, it just seems to me like there's no way around that not being raised as an issue. In other words, I remember back when early, well, I remember back in the morning after pill days when yeah. the very strongly pro-life people were saying, this pill interferes with implantation, therefore it's an abortion pill. And my point at the time was, it could interfere with implantation. It predominantly works by suppressing ovulation. Your birth control that you take every day, the one you take every day predominantly works by suppressing ovulation it can also interfere with implantation and your IUD can, is designed to interfere with implantation. And guess what? There are blood pressure medicines that may interfere with implantation. We're going to have to outlaw all of that. Are we going to be totally, I mean, is that where we're headed or do you have any opinion about that?
2: Yeah. I mean, the plan B, as you said, is, is not an abortion medication, you know, basically in, in layman terms for the audience you know, it prevents fertilization of the egg. You know, you have sperm in there and you're trying to prevent the fertilization of the egg where a two meet, and you prevent that. You know, you're preventing the actual initiation of uh, potential pregnancy. Uh, plan B is not affected by these current rulings. There's concern, like you said, that it, it could be. You know, there's been some anecdotal evidence that demand for Plan B is up, <laughs> that people are potentially stockpiling Plan B uh, to use. Uh, obviously, plan, yep. plan B will not be effective if you ovulate it and had sex or you know if right. you had so, sex right so and, you know you're already right so so, let, it, so, so
0: plan b works for th- up to 5 days 3 days preferably and that's because sperm sits in the tubes for 3 days waiting for the egg to be that's released right. right so you so it's yep. for 3 sperm days after, after the back. act that's right. Three days sitting in the tubes waiting yeah. for the egg. If the egg had been released before you took the morning-after pill, well, then you're going to get work. pregnant in all likelihood. It, it could interfere with the implantation maybe a little bit, but really you're probably going to get pregnant. As we know, it, it, it it's not 100%. It's like 85% effective up to three days. And if you take it at one day, again, you're really shortening – you're lengthening that duration of suppression of ovulation. So don't, don't confuse these pills. I, I think the reason Plan B demand went up is people – are still having trouble differentiating between Mif- Mif- Pristone and uh, Plan B. They just don't. They don't understand it. I, I think that's which is unfortunate. Right. Think, again, that's a public health. That's back to your public health argument. That's back to that. We need to educate and again have some sort know. of centralized, right. yeah, some sort of centralized information system. Yeah, I would be very in favor of centralized information. That that I think. How how can you argue with that? I mean, people. I don't know. Then then we're getting into weird territory if we're not giving people information.
2: I think part of the issue here, too, is we we don't talk about is, you know, we look specifically at people searching for abortion medications. But when it comes to women's mm-hmm. reproductive health, obviously, there's hundreds mm-hmm. of issues that they're searching for. Are those needs sure. also being met? So maybe this debate helps us think about things more holistically. You know, right now we know abortion right. medications are used predominantly in certain populations certain income levels, you know, so how do we think about meeting people's needs where they don't get in the position where they need the medications? Can we have a holistic conversation yeah. about reproductive well, of health and public health? Of, of, Can we do that? Maybe why we haven't listen. done that though, Dr. Drew, is because we've left this up to the judiciary, right? We've never engaged with this as a policy issue, right? There hasn't been federal legislation
0: Correct. when
2: it comes to I managing agree. reproductive health and access to reproductive health. With Within that vacuum, we also have the liability of we don't have a safety net to capture people. You know, if you debate abortion, and I, I, my opinion here is immaterial to our study. You know, we observed a need. Mm. But if you debate it from a policy standpoint, invariably, the nuance of other needs will come up and you will react to those. And we, we never did. You know, time and time again, we've missed out on opportunities. You know, President Obama did in his See, first that, term. That, you're was you're working, so making I, number I, one I, bill, I, I, listen. Didn't.
0: I, I I agree that that's why I'm I personally am not that upset by the ruling because the court shouldn't be where this is being done anyway it, it, we it hope and I, and I actually saw a thread from AOC where she had a bunch of suggestions and I was like yeah, those are all good ideas. I don't agree with all of them, but at least you're moving in the right direction and and uh, and also there I'm saying been. all of this from the right. person. I'm, I'm saying all this myself from a perspective of being deeply sensitive to the argument against abortion. I, I'm deeply, you know, Susan is personally against abortion, but but completely exercised by the restriction of rights for women. So she sits on both sides of the argument. I I I'm just deeply uh, appreciate both arguments. I get it. I get with why people are so affected by this and upset about it. Where, where my sort of Sensibility has always come in, is what Dr. Ayers is talking about, which is medicine, medical information. You can't imagine all the wild, variable, unpredictable circumstances that can develop during a pregnancy where doctors need to be able to do their job. And and this is scaring everybody to get proper care, and that's where I object. Dr. Ayers, let me bring uh, Dr. Rebecca Heiss in here. How about, because I think that's where we're landing right now. So sit tight, I'm gonna switch you guys. Uh, we're landing now at the effects on women. And this is Dr. Rebecca Heiss, who studies that, that has seen this with boots on the ground. Uh, oh. Correct our, our conversation or give us your thoughts thus far. Oh,
3: my gosh. There's there's so much here that I'm I'm right on board with you guys. The scariest thing that I've heard so far is that the SEO experts are going to become our medical experts. Right? It's It's the right. people with the... Right with the seo that gets that first click and now that's the people that you're taking information from that's that's terrifying yeah. and really well that's that's
0: already that's already medicine that's the medicine in the age of the internet already you know what i mean right. we're sort of there yeah. but yes, yeah, the, so keep going
3: yeah no to the to the point of of how this affects women um i I think twofold. One, your introduction to this entire conversation actually, I think, is a lot more relevant than you might have realized. With the um, with the school shoot or the school shootings, the the mental health aspects of of these kids. One of the most fascinating studies around abortion has been um, the Donahue Levitt hypothesis, uh, which looked at crime about twenty years after Roe v. Wade and saw a dramatic reduction in crime. Because the idea being unwanted pregnancies often lead to higher crime rates and you're seeing the exact same thing happen again which is really fascinating so thinking about the effects of not only the obvious trauma and psychological um, anxiety life satisfaction financial hardships of a lot of women that it will be forced to carry uh, to term but also the add-on effects for the child i don't think we're talking enough about that Um, Pro-life, pro-choice, wherever you stand on that, I think we'd all agree that kids should have uh, an opportunity to live a full, healthy life. And if you are forcing... Uh, unwanted pregnancies. There has to be some policy that protects those kids because you're not only increasing, you know, preeclampsia and, and all kinds of high cortisol levels in in the women that are carrying these babies to term that it may not be wanted, but that then affects their offspring for years and decades to come.
0: Yeah, and I, having you know, worked in the field of mental health and also in adolescent health, I, I have zero faith you know that anything will actually change um, because i've you know heard lip service to all these things for decades and nothing ever changes I, I don't know why i don't know why we have such a weird In fact things are a lot worse a lot worse you can't you, you can't <laughs> things are just a lot worse in mental health the, the resources aren't there we have a psychiatric shortage we don't have any psychiatric beds we we don't have no laws that allow us to bring people in to help them when they're really really sick and it's just just a mess so which is, which uh, is and right?
3: uh, <laughs> Business case too. You know, you think about that. um, We're having a really hard time in the workplace finding workers, all right? Massive shortage of workers. Well, now just take the the Roe v. Wade overturn uh, one in four women have had abortions. So now you're looking at a quarter of the workforce potentially that is now, that's exaggerated. I'm being a real rough estimate here, but that is now again out of the workforce, needing higher. health care bills uh higher mental mental health services their kids are needing more mental health services we're, we're not doing anybody favors here
0: well let's let's talk about what women are actually facing if they get pregnant and they're in one of the states where things are highly restrictive which is not that many is what is it five states now and there's a concern there may be eight or nine states ultimately uh it's then that's you know that's not it's not a large percentage of the female population in this country. It's a small percentage in, in states that don't have large populations, and it's one in four. And yet, if they're motivated, I'm imagining most, if not all of them, will find a way to do it. They will find a way to get. Whether it's again, the 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 uncertain part is can you know? I know a lot of people are setting up organizations to help with access to mail stuff in. How much risk is that to that individual? Are they really risking? legal action or do they have to travel across state lines and then what's the federal government going to do with that you know the interstate commerce laws and are they going to legislate on that and all of this sort of falls down on the shoulders of a, of a young woman typically who's pregnant and so what what is, i just wonder what the reality is going to be for women and and then physicians we don't seem to be of that much help
3: well i mean and that's you just nailed it and i i i would say I am not certain actually that those those women in those states are are have the access that I would have, for example. I'm I'm very lucky. I can hop on a plane tomorrow, get to New York and, and get any service that I need. But most people right. A lot of people that are in these positions uh, don't have the socioeconomic stability in order to, A, get time off work, have somebody watch their kids, get transportation, get the mental services um, that they're going to need. Because it's not just physical, right? These, you know, these procedures can be relatively straightforward and easy um but then the the add-on of now the shame and the guilt and and this feeling of i've lost you know i've I've done this thing i've killed a life i've murdered you know that is a huge add-on to the back um of these women
0: yeah but they but they already don't get that (laughs) it's not it's not like this law has changed that they don't get it at all in fact in fact, one, this this may be a good thing that comes out of it because they're told it's no big deal, it's just a simple procedure. Don't worry about it. You won't ever, you won't bother. You. It bothers women. You are absolutely correct about that. And and now they're going to have the added guilt of doing something illegal and maybe I, who knows what religious overlay in the particular areas they live. I mean, it's it's complicated. I still believe you're really just talking about. I mean, if you're talking about people that don't have a car and don't have access to a bus station then you're going to be in really difficult straits. I mean, that, that's going to be, but I'm, I'm but that's guessing a, that's, that's
3: not a, a population. That's not, what's that? that's a lot of, that's a lot of the people that are falling through the cracks of healthcare already in this country, right? That's the, that's the majority of people that are struggling already to well, get the services that we need. So, well,
0: but that, that's a, that you're right. That's absolutely true. And, and, but that's now, now we're into a different topic, which is they probably wouldn't have gotten it anyway because we do such a horrible job at delivering healthcare, which is, yes, yes and yes. I, whenever whenever the healthcare part of this is brought up, I just like, yep, it's absolutely true. that That's part of this. Well, I got to take a quick break here. Um, Rebecca, is there a website that you want to refer, refer people to? Um,
3: for me? I, yeah, it's sure. Not, you can go to RebeccaPace.com. Yeah. Um, that's probably the easiest way to reach out to me, and I'm happy to help and, and talk people through any any way that I can help oh, you with cortisol? They calm, and that's my book. And your book, Look at that. Um, yeah.
0: And what's think, the subtitle there? What's the what, instinct? Is the subtitle rewire- is what I can't read it from here.
3: Rewire your brain with science-backed solutions to increase productivity and achieve success. So um, I work a lot about um, ah. reducing stress, helping people find their calm, uh, rewiring this medieval brain of ours, this Stone Age brain of ours. Mm-hmm. Uh, Recognize that you know there's not tigers leaping at you in every corner, um, and so how do right. we reconcile own Age brain with the modern environment?
0: Interesting. Uh, that's uh, mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time thinking about things like that. Also, Ayres <laughs> you can get at John J O H N W Ayres A Y R E S dot com. Take a little break and hear about our friends from Genius Cell. Be right with you. I think we have found the holy grail of skincare. Genius has absolutely changed, certainly my skincare regimen. I like that vitamin C serum, the under-eye creams, skin-nourishing primer. Susan loves the eyelash enhancers, uses it on her eyebrows as well. Genucel has everything to make us both feel and look amazing. Best part, the quality of the products. Using pure ingredients like antioxidants, copper peptides, and a proprietary calendula flower base, Genucel knows how to formulate products to perfection without irritation. For Susan, she hates that annoying dry area under her nose during allergy season, like right here. She's tried everything, but no matter what, the skin is flaky and dry. And nothing seemed to help until she started using Genius Cells Silky Smooth XV Moisturizer. Soaked right into the skin, she was hooked after one use, and now loves all of their products as well. Every single product is developed by a pharmacist, making sure that all the ingredients are safe and effective. Right now, you can try Genius Cells' most popular collection of products and see what I'm talking about for yourself. Go to genusel.com and enter code DREW for 10% off. That is G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com, and the code is D-R-E-W. I literally used this stuff just before we got in the air. This is the under-eye stuff I use, you see. Mm-hmm. And this is the uh, retinol, the actually hyaluronic acid. And uh, Margaret Campbell very kindly sent me an email saying that she had been using it successfully and that it was less expensive than many of the other things that they find in Australia, which I was delighted to hear. And Susan just ran in here. Yeah, too. look
1: at how good Drew's eyes look. I yeah, put a little yeah. bit of that eye cream under his eyes, the uh, dark circle eye cream. This stuff works great. I love it. My um, esthetician the other day said, mm-hmm. "Hey, that dark spot under your eye looks lighter." And I said, mm-hmm. "It's Thank so, you, So Yeah, I've tried lasers, I've tried everything. It really works. That's Brightens cool. it up for the summer.
0: So there you go. Let me get back to my guest. Uh, Uh, Rebecca Heiss. Uh, I hope I pronounced your name correctly, Rebecca. Did I this time? When it's not in front of me, I I worry that I'm mispronouncing it. Uh, Where's Rebecca? There you are. Did I pronounce it correctly? There you go. And now I've lost your sound for some reason. So there you are. You're back. Um, Talk to me a little more. uh, Oh, once people are asking if The uh, Instinct is available by audiobook.
3: On Amazon or at your local bookshop or wherever you prefer to, to find it. Thank you.
0: So, uh, audio book, audio book, also, yes, audio books. Yes, correct. Okay. Yep. So, because you, I lost your mic for a second, so that's why I was double checking. Um, so, t- tell us a little bit about the book before we go back into the abortion conversation, because, what? you know, I, I, you know, trauma, survival of trauma, post traumatic stress, dissociative disorders. I mean, these are the. I mean, I watched these things <laughs> become their its own pandemic as we hit the 80s and 90s, and. Oh very little is available for people to uh, properly manage and regulate those issues. So what what are they going to yes. get from the book?
3: Well, from the book, we uh, go through seven of your, well, evolutionary instincts. So the way your brain was wired was really not for the modern world. You have to realize that this mm-hmm. this brain of ours is ancient and it responds to things really inappropriately. So uh, each of the chapters is divided into the instinct itself. So the first instinct um, is survival. Like that's sex and survival are two big things, right? That's all our brain really cares about at the end of the day. Um, the second chapter is on sex. Surprise, surprise. Fear of the other. Um, all of these <laughs> these things that we see cropping up again and again in uh, society. You know, people hating other groups of people because they look different. Why? Well, it makes perfect sense when we remember that like the tribe that was over there wasn't coming over to borrow a cup of sugar, right? There were real threats They were going to kill us and steal all of our resources. So recognizing, kind of understanding how our brain processes this information from an evolutionary perspective and then giving tools and insights as to how to rewire it, reshape it, um, to function a little bit better in this modern environment that we live in.
0: I- I, I was I was aware of your book, and and one of the reasons I was so glad to see you t- uh, writing about this material is that uh, I, I'm sure you're aware evolutionary biology had been under attack for the last ten years or so, and and I, I yeah, and I understand evolutionary biology sometimes tells just so pretty evolutionary psychology tells just so stories, but the fact is, if you understand I, everything in biology is about evolution, it's just it's just. It just is. Just you want to you want to understand why something is the way it is. What was its adaptive advantage in the environment of evolutionary Adaptiveness. Period. Uh, and, and as such, if you understand it, you can look at it, see it, see it when it's coming, and not respond to it when it's unproductive or ca- or dangerous in today's world. This idea that somehow it's giving people permission to be as they were in their e- uh, evolutionary psychology is exactly wrong. The actual purpose of understanding this stuff is so you see it realize you don't have to give into it and find a subdominant impulse to follow. So it's why we can have
3: conversations it. like this and say yeah. pro choice, no pro you yeah. know pro life. And yeah, wait pro-life. a second. Wait, 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 wait. Let's just take a breath. Let's look at the policy. Yeah. Let's understand that these are not tribalism groups that we have to uh, get into one or the other and hate the other team. We have to figure out how do we solve the issue at hand? And, and when we actually frame right. it out, right. then it's not a threat to our brain and we don't have to just annihilate the other person and say, ah, they don't know what they're talking about. We can have intellectual conversations. We can respond rather than react. And uh, everything that you just said is, is spot on. So actually the, yeah. the final yeah. challenge- Yeah, what does it is, have
1: I- to be bipartisan like what is it why can't it just be like you know you you want to have people who are pro-abortion and you want people to be pro-life and then why can't it
0: be a tapestry why can't they and i have more than
1: one feeling about it like i'm not 100 percent pro-life where everybody has to do it i'm for me i'm pro-life if i'm if i got pregnant i have take the responsibility and i'm gonna raise a I don't. Right. I, I don't think I could live. But you with wouldn't myself.
0: force. You wouldn't force that. In some but
1: ways. on the other hand, I had to. I had a tubal pregnancy. We had to take that out. If I was pro-life, I'd be dead. Yeah. Then I had another yeah. pregnancy that was in the wrong place. I had to remove that my first time after IVF, and that was painful. I had to go to therapy for a couple of months. But I had to do it; otherwise, my life would be at risk. So and the
0: child was not viable. You have to remember this right, part of it. But it hurt.
1: It was very painful to do, yeah. especially you know, for a married woman. And I was ready to have kids. But, but I'm also, but I also understand that women do have mental health pro- problems later because they are told that they killed the baby, and mm. you know, their life was not as you know as important as the baby, and you shouldn't have done that. And that, and then there's. Especially young girls, you know, like sixteen-year-olds that get an abortion thing. It's going to be fine after they do it. They feel terrible. They remorse and they have other problems later. So, you know, Absolutely. there's reasons to do it, but there's reasons not to. You know, that's how well, I, I. But I love it. You don't have to be one side or the other.
0: Well, that that's sort it's of what's kind to... of mysterious to me, I, and and right. I may be missing something, but I, it's all the rhetoric around women's rights being trounced being being i i don't understand that rhetoric because in california new york well come here then <laughs> it's fine if we're, we're fine here everything everything's protected I, south carolina not so good but in, in oklahoma not so good but or if you have a strong feeling about it but by the same token or fight for legislation that does protect you you know what i mean And and, and if not federally at least in your state and if you can't I mean, you know, it sounds cruel to say. Well, then leave your state, and some people can't. I suppose is really the reality we're dealing with. Okay. But it, it's—I I don't know. There's something about this that needs—it's—it's it's unfortunate. We're, we're working through it. It feels like, and it's not done. We're, we're get you know—and people are probably going to get hurt because of this working through process, and that's sad.
3: I agree, and you know, it's the same the same process that we're talking about here with, with gun control or Second Amendment rights, it's it's saying, well, yeah. look, can, can we all agree that kids should go to school and be safe in schools? Yes, of right. course, everybody agrees yeah. with that. Good, so let's start solving right. the problem, right? And, and the right. problem is not right. women are, are getting pregnant. At, at, no, that's not the issue. Or men, you can't control yourselves. No, that's not the issue. The issue is that there are right. unwanted pregnancies Right. And the the issue is that there are certain people that can't get to those states where it's safe. And and we know from the data, right, this, this Roe v. Wade being overturned isn't going to reduce the number of abortions. It's going to reduce the number of safe abortions being had. And that's the really scary thing. When, when Dr. Ayers was I, coming I don't, up here. I
0: don't know that that's true. I don't know that's true. I Right. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, because I, again, I, I. Uh, well, let's get John in here because he actually probably yeah. has the data. Uh, um, is is that true, or, or are people just gonna? Are we gonna have the other part of what Rebecca was talking about? You know, children in the hand. You know, people having children that don't have the resources to take care of them.
2: I think you know there's potential for it to go either way, and we don't we don't know now. But we we do know that we can do things already that we're we're not doing, and something you were talking about earlier about abortions in general, uh, America is an outlier when it comes to utilizing abortion medications. You know, the rest of the Western world has abortions far earlier during pregnancy than you do in the United States. Mm. Well, is that a consequence of access to healthcare? You know, is that a consequence of you know delayed decision making for a host of reasons? You know, when you, we start talking, you know. 15 16 20 23 weeks you know now it's like we're, we're very much an outlier and so i think you know part of the issue here is so wait, not so, just so state about that again so wait, wait, wait
0: let's let, hang on i want to make sure we state that data correctly are are you saying that other countries don't allow abortion after 15 weeks or wait, and hang on hang on hang on yep. hang on and or there's something about our decision making and our access to healthcare that people don't get to the healthcare system till they're 15 weeks in?
2: I don't know why, but uh, in terms of abortions that that do occur, we are an outlier in the sense that we don't utilize abortion medications. A majority of abortions happen with abortion medications, which is before 10 weeks, sometimes up to 11 weeks, right? But it's a small majority. It's not the vast majority. Mm -hmm. It's like 61% happen with abortion medications, right? So we are an outlier. Now, from a policy standpoint, and, and again, I'm not articulating my position here at all, uh, we're a bit of an outlier in essence too. I think in, of 23 European countries, uh, ab- about 17 or 18 would have just as restrictive policies as Mississippi would in the SCOTUS ruling you know, but restricting mm-hmm. access. I think in France, it's 14 weeks up from 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, recently, they moved it up. And other parts of the nation, I think the average is like 12 weeks. And, and again, in Mississippi, it was, it was 15 weeks. Now, again, I'm not talking a position on that either way. I'm saying there, there is a difference in policies, but there's also an issue of people who want to get an abortion. How do we make it accessible to them in a safe way? One way we can improve the safety is by utilizing medication and not waiting for a procedure. And yeah. does restricted access make you more likely to engage in procedural abortions because you time out the period when the medication would be viable for you, and
0: because okay, the so lack that's, of that's, that's your for next you. study, that's your next study, right? <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: it's got I think it's, it's, got, it's got to be your next study. I
2: mean, <laughs> look you know, at one of the things here.
3: It's it's part of a bigger oh, issue. We're the only we're the only uh, country where we're seeing developed country where we're seeing increases, steady increases in maternal deaths during pregnancy. Like this shouldn't, this shouldn't happen. We, we doubled the number of women who die from childbirth in this past decade. What, what is going on, right? This is, this is a bigger issue around health policy and and access to um, women's reproductive rights and women's reproductive health care. It's not just this one issue. It's, it's an access throughout healthy pregnancies, throughout unhealthy pregnancies. It's a, it's a bigger, um, it's a bigger access issue.
0: John, do we have I'm a I'm frankly surprised because about are, the are... lack
2: of, and through, I'm, I'm surprised. I'll say one thing about, about the lack of engagement on this, this issue from a public health framework, uh, the, the amount of action, uh, federally, uh, has been astonishingly low, uh, given the change in the, in the policies that exist through the judiciary, you know, it's basically like mm. we will act, we will do this. And, and there's been a lot of mm. inaction and, and I don't know. If the issue, given, you know, that impotent response we've seen from the federal government, if, you know, women can wait for them to respond, what can we do in order to engender any response instead of just, you know, words? You know, I think part of the issue here is maybe, maybe we can start thinking about reproductive health holistically and do legislation towards that end. Yeah.
0: I, I, I got to tell you, my fear is having worked in those clinics and seeing the way they approach my patients, Uh, just look on the streets and there are my patients, Uh, there is gross inaction and stigma when drugs are being used. And most of these, and and I I fear that a large piece of this is gonna be a drug story because that's where the government just goes, they're on their own. And rather than saying, this is a medical problem that needs a medical management and we need to create resources for it and find ways to motivate people into treatment because part of the illness is an unwillingness to to participate in treatment. So I fear that's what we're gonna find here because that's that's a lot of where we're falling out of bed in healthcare right now. And these are, it makes me sick because I know how to treat this stuff and it's, it's treatable disorders, but you can't leave it to the patient because they're, they're back to Re- Rebecca's uh, instinct stuff. All those instincts are taken over by the pharmacology so of the drug. Yeah, and so it's just ugh, it makes me. I, I'm so angry about all that. I. So anyway, that's a separate issue. <laughs> I digress. <laughs> no, <it's> not, but
3: <laughs> but I, I think that you have a perfect point. It's all intertwined, right? That's that's not a separate yeah. issue at all. It's a it's a huge yeah. issue. It, that it, is a, it, is it
0: isn't, and, and unfortunately, it falls out as one though, and it shouldn't be. I absolutely agree with you. But, John, we got to do the data. we got to get the data so we can keep pushing on this. What, what, what are you yeah. studying next?
2: Uh, we, we, we study a host of things. I think the last time we spoke was actually 13 Reasons Why uh, Causing Increased Suicide. Uh, but we yep. do a host of these types yep. of studies focused on the needs of the public. Uh, we have a few forthcoming that that will be of substantial national and international interest.
0: Well, that is uh, a, talk that. about a tease. <laughs>
2: talk about a tease. When? How about that? It, well, when, it turns out the been, vaccine been, you may want may not be available to you. We'll just say that mm-hmm. as a tease.
0: So. Well, yeah, I want Covax and Novavax, and, and the FDA has certainly taken their time about that. And I think a lot of the vaccine resistant would do that too. So I, I'm guessing, or the you know, inhaled, I'm guessing there's something out there we could help use breakthrough vaccine resistance. Uh, with but the there, there is overlap in what we're talking about.
2: You know, I'm thinking, you know, in terms of like, you know, the statement was made earlier about, you know, search engine optimizers are going to decide what is yeah. the information that people get. And, and you know, we, yeah. and I just made the connection now. We did that a, a prominent study on COVID-19 where the vast majority of misinformation as defined by, you know, the arbitrators that do decide that comes from bots, you know. So if all these yeah. bots are out there talking about vaccines, what yeah. will they be talking about when yeah. it comes to abortion? and reproductive health care. And, you know, do we want to leave it up to that? You know, and we do see like social media, you know, I think Twitter and Facebook were omitting posts that may have been talking about how to access medications or potentially selling medications. But there's a large, you know, diversity of the type of information that can be made available online. We really do have to engage on it. And, And we really do have to engage on it holistically, not just around specific abortion medications. You talked about other procedures, you know, at home procedures, you know, not medications, not medicinally induced abortions, but, but the coat hanger, you know, what does that look like now? When someone seeks out information on how to do that, are they being discouraged? Are they being encouraged down a pathway where they can access it in a safer way? You know, and, and how, <laughs> how should that look? You know, and that's the thing is we have to think about that. And we, we have not been. Because, you know, the the internet's been among us now for for nearly two decades in the form that we utilize it now in terms of search engines, et cetera. You know, we haven't been meeting these women's needs. How do we start to meet those needs? And and we have to think about those other outcomes that we may be neglecting now.
3: Our brain loves information. It doesn't care if it's right or wrong. It just likes the information. And that's the crazy thing about it, right? We're going to get those dopamine hits. Dr. Drew will tell you all about it, right? We're going to get those dopamine hits, whether or not it's Good information, bad information, we're just like, ooh, info. This is good. This feels good. So if it's the bots, it's a
2: problem.
0: When a problem. John, you mentioned earlier at-home at procedures. What, what are you talking about exactly?
2: I'm talking about not medicinally induced, like the coat hanger, you know, where people attempt to... I,
0: I, th- those are
2: extraordinarily I, rare. But, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, Drew, The damn. VICE News motherboard, I believe, well, may have, I can't remember specific publication, but there was a publication came out in May talking about here's how to do abortions at home and procedural abortions were among the things that they provided information on how to do. Now, let's hope that's accept- exceptionally rare, but it would be extraordinarily high risk. And if it's engaged in by just hundreds, you know, it could potentially lead to increase mortality in a significant way when it comes to, you know, the public Dr.
3: at large. Did I hear you wrong before when you said 7%? So,
2: yeah, that's the estimate. 7% have, attempt, have, have attempted an at-home abortion in a lifetime. That, now, that comes from a study. I, I'll be clear. That wasn't our study. That was a study about okay. two years ago, also published in the JAMA family of journals. And, and there was some math magic to that study because obviously this is something yeah. people don't want to discuss. I, I, it's one of the reasons we looked at searches because people don't want to talk there, about There it. are so, so many... They,
0: there's so many. Th- I'm ahead, I, I, just,
2: I the, the actual yeah, number who affirmatively said they had was two percent, but based okay. on response bias, et cetera, they inferred seven percent. Two percent affirmatively say they have. The best estimate is seven percent potentially have in their lifetime. But
3: that's, that's women that's entirely that's under the really, really big error. number
2: about that. That's
3: a, even two percent is a really big number. Like two percent is a very about, big look,
0: number
2: in itself.
3: Yeah.
0: There there's yeah. a lot of things flying around. There's a there I realize there are so many things that fly around the internet that are not connected to reality. I have performed DNCs. I've done them. There's no way you could do it with a coat hanger. There's no way. You could try and puncture your uterus, and I'm sure that's happened. There's nobody does. Procedural abortions with a cone. You can't. You need a you need a big piece of instrument. You need a dilated all right, cervix. True. All right, all right. I'm just telling you, it. it doesn't happen. Now people may hurt themselves with cohangers Yeah. I get that's that. It. And they may hurt themselves with lots of things. But <laughs> but may part of the information that needs to be pushed out, John, is how ridiculous these these mythologies are and what I mean, actually will true. happen to people so they don't try it.
3: Imagine how desperate they are though. That's that's what's scary, right? You have yeah. to be really desperate yes. to be inserting. And a code uneducated. And uneducated. Yeah, so uneducated. Correct. You know,
0: correct. This, correct.
3: This is this is this is what scares me the most is if you are if you are searching for this on the internet and you're getting, you know, how to give yourself an abortion, you are in a desperate space because you can't yes. get to a safe place. Right. So we've got that's the policy that I think you need to be talking about here, right? Is is how do we get well, it, those with safe places for this procedure.
0: Yeah, and it's back to John's point about information. If if there's a place they go for centralized information that they trust and go, Oh, this can only hurt me. I know I'm desperate, but there's no way it's going to work. I won't do it. Th- that's 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 very valid. It seems to me. Yeah. Ugh, it's taking my breath away. All this stuff. It's uh, speaking of uh, the uh, primitive brain. My anxiety system is my sympathetic system is turning <laughs> on just thinking about <laughs> all this stuff.
2: Uh, yeah,
0: exactly. Calm yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. John, have we missed anything today? Or Have we sort of hit the landscape? Or I can't. Wait. When is your next stuff coming out? Too. That's the other thing I want to know. When, when can we? Because it's been the thirteen really reasons. Thirteen reasons why and suicide was like seven years ago. It feels like it's been I know, too long. It's was, it was like four years ago.
2: But I can't help it. You don't want to talk to me, you know. But we'll we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll let you know about the next one. I'll text you about the next one then. We'll bye. The all,
0: right, all right. All right. Good. Uh, all right. Good. So all right, John, I'm going to let you go I and I talk think, a little way, more To I looked per- it up. Dellum
2: is yeah. the name of the. Uh, if you want to Google it for your viewers, well, I mean, it's called a Dell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, a D E L U M, and there's it's a it's a device that you can use for at home abortions. And and the article I in see. question that I made reference to talked about how to use this combination of a syringe and then you know a, a tube. Jeez. And one last thing, uh, i before you let me go. Yeah, it, yeah. That yeah, doesn't so come up on uh,
0: Google. It doesn't come it up, right John. Now. Doesn't doesn't when you.
2: It's D E L hyphen E-M. I'm looking at the article oh. right now talking about oh, how to okay. make it. D-E-L
3: hyphen Holy smokes.
2: Yeah, so it's a tubing, a stopper, a syringe. Don't show it. Yeah, crazy. Induce abortions. And also, if you look at the articles that mention those and how to make those, they also talk about over-the-counter abortion medications that you can use potentially at a later stage. Oh, my God. think about... Ones that, re- that oh, result in contraction. Uh, so dangerous. You know, so, so dangerous. Potentially. Import- so these things do exist. I, I don't know what percentage of people are searching for these or maybe engaging mm-hmm. with those. But it's certainly something we should be thinking about how to capture.
0: Yeah. Yes.
1: Somebody on the Twitch said, one word, condoms.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's good. All for it.
1: I mean, I guess Start. if we try Online. to educate... People a little more, they won't get as pregnant as often. But I it spent, happens; it still happens. I
0: spent thirty years on the radio trying to change behavior. It's not easy. It is not easy. Well, I mean, but but uh, think, but
2: that is that is the thing, though. It's it's not. So we think of things in aggregate, and we also think of things through the lens of our own experiences, and we don't realize the community is actually at risk here, and the community actually has a need here. Is is very different than what we may be right, and and our experiences yeah. are. They're typically going to be very, very poor, you know, very, very limited access. They typically are more minority, you know, uh, specifically African-American. You know, so so why is it, you know, we have this this population at need and we're we're not meeting the need. And so we need to think about being more equitable, you know, to use the, the term of our time in terms of like how we make sure everybody has equitable opportunities to reproductive health. Yeah, equitable opportunities to even prevent pregnancy in the first place let alone get to the abortion stage
0: so so I, I will just say that my profession is going to great length to to try to achieve exactly what you're talking about the the two the two big areas that people don't often think about is we need more african-american physicians which we're we're making great strides on that on that front and number two because of the the way we have ill served the African American community in American medicine, there's a a lack of trust. And so there's just generally, you know, unwillingness to, to to engage with the medical system, but that can be systematically improved, of course, as well. But if we have to, we have to identify it as a problem and go after it, though. So you're right, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of layers to this. And we, we need to do something about that. There's no doubt. No doubt about that. Okay, so now I'm sufficiently anxious. And, I uh, appreciate, do we, <laughs> so, you
3: want to see if anybody wants to talk on the,
0: uh,
1: uh
3: spaces? We with you, Dr. Drew, we can get some of that. Uh, remember there's no tigers charging you. It's,
0: uh, right. You're right. There you go. Uh, <laughs> here's somebody else want to talk her name. It's Slay. It's a nurse. Oh, uh, Slay. There'll be a little, there you delay. are. Your mic is She'll still there. muted. There you are. <laughs> there she is. Oh, goodness. Go ahead.
1: Go off the speakerphone.
0: Yeah, if you're on, I think your daughter answered for us. I appreciate that. I heard somebody say, "Mom," and now the mic is muted again.
1: They're they're working on it. They're okay. they're getting the technology. Tra- tracking
0: her down. Get mom. Get mom to the phone. <laughs> you know where that goes.
1: Wait, she's muted again. She had yeah. unmute. They're probably tossing the phone back and forth between each other. <laughs> they
0: answered it. I, uh, well, we're on speaker phones. So there hear. you are. Okay, there we go. Oh, can you hear me better now? We got you now. Loud and clear. <laughs> what I said was, hi, Dr. Mommy. Hey, Mommy. What's happening? Long story, guys. <laughs> so I, um, my question for you, Dr. Drew, is, um, and it's really more of a concern of mine, is I, I grew up in a time where the reason I didn't get a girl pregnant was because we talked about abstinence, and it was it, it was a really important part of um, sexual education for me as a young person about just like, maybe don't, maybe don't have sex. And I, and with all this talk about abortions and I know it's important for people to have abortion rights, but I wondered about your thoughts on how we educate our, our young people, um, especially in regards to maybe just waiting on sex. Well, uh, uh let me give you my thoughts on that. It's not, that's not an easy sell. <laughs> that's especially with the world they live in today. But the way we shape—we we discovered this during the AIDS epidemic—is that the way you shape these very powerful behaviors is you tell stories. Just like I, in medical school, learn from cases. Everybody learns from stories and cases. When you, when they see an experience of somebody that they can relate to, somebody who's the same age as them, somebody that looks whatever, somebody they can relate to, tell that story, point out the consequences of the choices. Use some humor, use some cultural elements, music, something like that, and that actually and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. And that actually has a very high probability of changing behavior. So to your point, I mean, I I used to talk about it all the time. I would say, you know, that's that's certainly an option. I would always say the only really safe sex was no sex, right? Everything else was risk reduction. And of course, you know, again, it was a, it was a hard putt.
1: <laughs> it could work for some people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. A- absolutely.
1: I mean, I, w- I will say this, like...
2: well, one, one of the things, you know, your caller mentioned abstinence only education, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, that's kind of like a, a stop word in today's environment, but actually there's a randomized control trial from JAMA Pediatrics in the, about 2011 on the ed- effect of an, of a theoretically based abstinence only education program and it was actually more successful than the control it reduced the number of sexual partners people had it did not affect condom use condom use was similar among the two groups and it, it delayed the time of first intercourse now the delay was was marginal it was about 18 to 24 months but that's a substantial amount of time when you're talking about a 14 year old versus a 16-year-old.
0: 100% uh, 15 100% versus that's a big deal so,
2: you know part of the problem is, is is we we have these stop words where we go like he said abstinence only, so I, I, don't, I can't engage on it. Like that. so that's a negative, right? Mm-hmm. And we need to go to where the data point is to. And in that case, a theoretically framed, now, now that's the provision here, right? You know, a theoretically informed, a scientifically informed. This may not be the one that you got, you know, at your, your Catholic high school, but one that's abstinence only can be effective at preventing pregnancy, at least more than the standard control in this one study.
3: That's very and I, interesting. I, 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 I want to poke a hole in that just really quickly because I, while I have no doubt of that science, my guess is the control was a no education versus a full sex education, which might provide both abstinence only as well as safe sex measures and um, condoms and birth control, and so it. it <laughs> Again, information is really important and it's important to, to communicate clearly, I think, that yes, absolutely, abstinence only is, is one route and um, it's probably better than having zero sex education, but we also have to consider other alternatives. In this case,
2: I'm not gonna disagree with you here, but in this specific case, this specific study, it was an eight hour training, abstinence only, eight hour training on safe sex. So it was, it was a legitimate control that represented, you know, the standard of care. Now, now granted, that's one randomized control trial. I, I don't know what the meta-analysis is, but I would guess that randomized control trials on abstinence-only education are probably rare, and probably because we have a political valence where we say we we won't study those, right? Uh, so that could yeah. be a problem. I, I'm just saying in this case, it's... You know, your caller's framework of, well, I remember I was told delay, delay, delay. That's what abstinence only really means. It doesn't mean never have sex, it means delay. Uh, yeah. You know, in this particular case, was successful at delaying and reducing the number of sexual partners you have uh, yeah. compared to the usual mode of care. We got to be able to ask these types of questions. And, and part of the reason we don't is because we approach this from our political framework, right? The politicalization yeah. that happened around COVID is already entrenched here, where we already know what the solution is. We already know what the answer is without engaging in data collection and you know, assessing the evidence. And you know, science, is, you know, science is very antagonistic. We're, we're not just supposed to be like, here it is. We're supposed to interrogate the data. Tell me, is how yep. confident are with this is true? Is this replicable? You right. do we have to prove anything. Engage mm. in that type of debate, right? And yeah. so yeah. W- we don't when it comes to these issues and, and that's the problem. And, and I'm afraid that is a problem. Like if you look at our study and, and, you know, we have done scores of interviews for this study, you know, when I talk to reporters, they immediately have the framing that they're going to use, right? And I, mm. you can guess, yeah. you know, it depends on which, you know, media yeah. I'm talking to. And when I talk to mm. people who are experts, you know, they're, all, you know, the reaction is again attenuated. We have to move away from that, right? And you know, we, we got—it's definitely hard to to remove political isolation when it comes to healthcare and public health. But we really do have to do it here. And you know, I think this this issue foretells what could happen when it comes to like infectious disease management because we see what's happening with like COVID, and you know, we don't want COVID to get to this point right? How do we undo this one? I think right now, mm-hmm. most of what we're doing is making public health more political, not less. Yeah, this is one we need to make it a lot less, you know.
3: I agree. I think you have what, a great point there. there. <laughs> it's the tribal oh, brain oh, yeah. this that instead of saying, what's the common enemy, right? The common enemy is there's a problem. And and I, I immediately jump to a conclusion there. I'll be the first to, to raise my hand and say, well, that's probably because, and that's my framework because I've read a lot of studies that say opposite. But Again, yeah. science isn't about this side or that side. It's getting to the solution. So I appreciate that. Yeah, Paula.
0: the truth, the truth, and, and and that's the genius of science. It's supposed to step outside of the the weaknesses of this instrument, the 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 uh, the glitches, the the cognitive glitches that we have that are features of this system. We step outside of it with with the scientific method. What what well, I'm just curious, John. What do, what do you see to see? Th- how do you how do you put together what? you perceive to be the issue in COVID? Because I obviously see the same thing you're seeing. I just don't, I I characterize it in a lot of different ways. Seems, I feel like you've got one frame on it. What is your characterization? Well,
2: I have a, I don't, I don't have a, you know, a frame. I have a frame of, you know, we're, we should be doing randomized control trials on these outcomes. We should be using all available evidence. We should be approaching things as meeting people where they are right? You know, I think there is some analogies here, right? You know, the the response to ivermectin and the response to abortion medications, you know, used potentially outside of of healthcare professional advice, outside of Mm. working with a physician, uh, is very Mm. different, right? One's potentially being encouraged now and one was strongly discouraged, but they're both the same behavior. Mm. You know, I'm an old school, keep it simple kind of, keep it stupid, you know, keep it simple, stupid kind of guy. You know, I'm like, well, they're both the same phenomenon. So they should have the same response, and that is present people the best evidence, right? And yeah, you know, yeah. allow them to move forward in a way where they've reduced the chance of harm and improve the chance of benefit. You know, but we we don't do that very well in public health, right? We don't we we typically live well, in in the wild west, and that's very problematic.
0: But but you're fighting you're fighting a media that loves its narratives, that loves these extreme ep- You know these extreme shibboleths frankly they're just empty slogans and 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 that's where people are getting their information from so it's really a it's a marketing problem (laughs) it's getting the information right you know getting getting through the media mess yeah
2: i don't want to pull us in one direction but that that's a there's a term for that called information laundering and you know the 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 growth of the online media landscape means that, you know, you can yeah. present things as information and dilute what the source was. Right. And so you think of like research yeah. as marketing or, you know, here I have this idea and I'm going to present it. And and we see that happen all the time. Like, you know, I mean, we, we can all now yeah. look back and be like hydroxychloroquine. You know, the meta analysis say it probably killed more people than it definitely helped, you know, potentially with more. Yeah. Toxic. The, these things, was didn't, the these things didn't. These things
0: didn't. They didn't work. Yeah. yeah. They didn't work, but didn't work. You know, people were trying, nothing worked and nothing worked. And they were trying stuff I, they, they weren't trying to kill people. They were just trying stuff. And, you know, there was some reason the that failure they it that might have, okay.
2: The failure we had with that, when all eyes were focused, right? The entire yeah. infrastructure public health to focused on one issue issue. Think about how we failed. How easy will it be for us to fail again when it comes to reproductive mm. rights and access to reproductive healthcare? Mm. Right? How easy will it be mm-hmm. to, to have a failure here? And I, I think the chance of failure is sadly high. I think one of the things we can do is get out there and talk more about identifying the needs of people and then responding to them, instead of saying, this is my framework. And I, and I do believe that too often in, in public health, we have this top down, I already know the problem, I already have my answer, I planned ahead of time. You know, and that's the way the infrastructure is set up you know, in public health. We, we plan a study five years ago to have the results now well, how often were you able to predict what would happen five years in the future? Public health hasn't done a very good yeah. job of that in general. And so we need to move more towards a responsive public health system and respond to the needs. And And hopefully this issue, when it comes to abortion medications and reproductive health, doesn't just become another blip on the time series of media coverage and people discussing this issue. Yeah. It becomes an actual intrinsic it, it, change in it, how it, we it, think about these issues.
0: But it's back to what I was saying at the very, very, very beginning, which is, one, from my perspective, a lot of the public health failure was because it was from a centralized authority rather than being being distributed by the practicing physicians. Physicians were frozen and not doing anything, and they were being told from on on high. You know, they were given their orders that they may or may not have agreed with, rather than it being a, a healthcare system that operated in, in, in an integrated manner. The same thing, I think, is unfortunately going on here, too. They, people want it to be highly centralized, and yet the reality is if they just let the medical system work and let doctors represent the patients to do the best for, on behalf of those patients with the guidance of public health, wouldn't that be a better way to do it, John?
2: You know, I, the centralization problem you talk about, the reaction you have to it, is not from our many, many past successes. I'll give the an example of one. Uh, When it comes to suicide, right, Uh, the WHO created guidelines about 30 years ago saying do and do not talk about suicide in this way to reduce the chances of copycat suicide, right? Don't focus on the modality Mm -hmm. of suicide, et cetera. And and we're seeing discussions now about when it comes to mass shootings, engaging in similar procedures. When it comes to suicide, they were extremely successful, right? this centralization of thinking about it from a scientific framework, this communication, it worked. And you know, getting things like the one eight hundred suicide hotline number out there and promoting that work. And I think part of the reason centralization worked in those cases is it, is it passed the sniff test, right? People at home could hear it and be like, mm. yeah, you know that. Yeah, call that number. Yeah, that makes sense. Don't mm. don't do this. Reporters mm. could see and be like, don't frame suicide in this way, and they could respond. You know, when you're talking about the failures, you're talking about potential censorship and other issues going on with centralization. In this case, centralization mm. can be more evidence based. Than what we've seen maybe in the recent past and as a result can potentially pass that sniff test and actually be utilized in a way and centralization doesn't mean getting in between a physician and their patients it's about connecting a physician and their patient too often we think of it as like this intermediary but really it's about it's a yeah. linkage you know we got to get people linked yeah. up and that's the yeah. way we get linked up is getting people access to information and get connected. I don't know what that looks like, right? If you live in a state that has yeah. strong restrictions on abortion, what does it look like in terms of like what information we make available to you? I don't know. It's very complex. But I can give you some basic rundown of the list. You talked about AOC streets. You know, here's how to here's who to call, how to call. You know, who should be talking? Yeah. Maybe it, it should be, you know, like a, a Johns Hopkins or a UC San Diego, you know, doing the talking when it comes to reproductive healthcare and how to access it, rather than like an, a political advocacy organization, right? Right, So, you That's know, right. that, these are yeah. things that we need to think about, you know, when it comes to these issues, and I, I think we can. I think centralization here can have a powerful effect by linking people to their physicians, rather than being one to move them away from physician guidance.
0: Yeah, I agree with that, uh, Rebecca. I know you've, you've you've I saw many different ideas flashed across your face.
3: Oh,
2: yeah,
0: no, <laughs> I mean
3: thought bubbles. <laughs> yeah, exactly, little thought bubbles. I think I think the big struggle there is in when you were talking about suicide hotlines. You know that makes sense because I don't know anybody who's against suicide. Mm. Sorry, I don't know anybody suicide who's forced. Suicide. <laughs> I said that yes, out yes. right. And I think the problem with a lot of what we're talking about here is that there are very um strong held opinions tribal opinions brain embedded opinions that say no, no no i i will consult with my group with my tribe because they know the answers And i'm not even going to look at this tribe and so there's been this distrust that has really separated even even scientists there's a lot of people that don't trust scientists they don't trust doctors they don't trust And so even if you're pushing it down to physicians at the state level to communicate this, there's a lot of people that say, "Mm, no, my physician tried to push this cure for COVID before and and look where it got us. And unfortunately, that that comes back to this level of, you know, understanding humans at a very basic level of having to have safety and safety to them is having all the information. And the scary thing is that the fastest place they can get all that, all the information is Google, Facebook. Yeah.
0: or yeah yeah here i go Sorry. again getting <laughs> you know
2: i my my response to that is it, it, it might sound impotent but my 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 response to that is to say well you know i i think that even in cases where abortion may become illegal that there's going to be no illegality when it comes to providing information right clearly you know if the wild west not. is what our default not. position is then yeah. we can respond to that. I don't think our default position right now is like yeah. no information. Our default position now is potential yeah. misinformation, exploitation, et cetera. Yeah. And our new position can be improved over that. And I think, it's- you know, most states could get behind that. Hopefully. I don't know of any state where it's illegal to, to go out and, and talk about these issues.
3: Right. I guess there's, there's one more issue there is that you, we're now counting on people to get to their doctors to actually have this information, which a lot of people don't well, get no. to their doctor. It's too expensive. Well, or they no, don't no, have I think begin
0: saying.
2: Yeah. yeah te- so telehealth abortion is, is relatively new. We, we haven't talked about that. You know, telehealth abortion was yeah. not allowed before COVID-19. Prior to COVID-19, you yeah. need to get a, a pelvic exam. After COVID 19, yeah. the FDA allowed, again, they they define the marketplace of what's allowed in terms of availability. The FDA said, no, the mm-hmm. standard of care is this, telehealth. You can get the abortion medications on mm-hmm. telehealth. Now, obviously some states already have put in laws uh before the decision by SCOTUS saying that no, the medicine must be dispensed in person. It can't be delivered in the mail. You know, you have to be present with a physician at one point in order to get the medication. I don't know what a telehealth abortion looks like in terms of like this infrastructure, but there's, there's a lot of potential for telehealth here and telehealth doesn't necessarily have to be here is, here is the, the services that maybe be need a telehealth can be an intermediary of here's how to access right information. Yep. Here's how, here's where yep. to go yep. next. And, and I think, you know, we could potentially do that now in almost any state is that being done? No, We also, we've known about the SCOTUS decision, you know, since what, May 3rd? So this isn't new, right? We're, you know, we're, we're two months away. I'm a little surprised at the lack of infrastructure that's being rolled out now because we've known about it and, you know, so what's been going on in these last two months is a little concerning. I think that type of infrastructure would certainly be allowable in this case.
0: I think it's sort of just the go ahead, no, there's no, there's no no one would no one gets a there's no money in it so no one does it you know what i mean there's no federal funds there's no anything there to, to get it done yeah there it is. I, I there's no that's there's
3: what no it is. for it so
0: so we it's need we need we need a you know yeah and it wouldn't cost very much but somebody would have to keep it up and keep it you know make sure it's done properly and that kind of thing. It, it, well, listen, guys, I, I am way out of time here. Uh, it's been a very good conversation. Uh, is if, if people want to talk to you some more, do you want to engage in somewhere like your Twitter or anything? Or you guys have, what are your Twitter handles? John? I don't have a Twitter. Is there anywhere <laughs> people can engage good. with you?
2: He is smart. Right. Well, they, well, they, well, they, they can look up our research. You know, I'm, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm the vice chief of innovation at UC San Diego. Uh, medicine. Okay. Uh, we do a lot of research. Great. You can look at all the research we're doing there at the Qualcomm Institute uh, and look us up online at uh, John W. Ayers, A-Y-E-R-S.com.
0: Are you guys planning any kind of informational system that, uh, maybe the school fu- or something? No, we're, we're doing, do we're, that?
2: you know, yeah. I'm, I'm more focused on the surveillance aspect of it. You know, I'm an infectious disease mm-hmm. epidemiologist by training, uh, mm-hmm. but work in surveillance. Uh, the the issue here is like who can do it, who would do it. I think it can be done. We'll just see if it happens. I think you know the reality right. is is people. This information system has potentially been needed uh, going back to two thousand and four. Mm. You know the ascension of Google. Yeah, yeah, right. But it, it hasn't yeah, been developed, yeah. and you know now we're eighteen years behind the eight ball to speak. Right. So yeah, what you you're know, right. we Definitely need to respond now. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Rebecca.
3: Yeah, you can reach Twitter me handle? at. Uh, yep, Dr. Rebecca Heist, D. R. R. E. B. E. C. C. A. H. E. I. S. S. Um, it's the same for Instagram. Uh, you can find me on RebeccaHeiss.com. Happy to follow up, answer questions, talk about stress physiology, try and chill you guys out. Um, actually be able to have conversations like this, which was brilliant. I really appreciate both of you um, having a civilized discussion. Well, I, I love that
0: we came out with a little, there's a little bit of consensus here too around getting these information systems out. I mean, I, I just, I feel very too. committed to that now. I've, before I was unclear how it would work. And now, now I'm like, yeah, we got to do this. So,
3: uh, so yeah, Look, I hope other people hear us. I'll help you. Let's, yeah, let's put together too. a little SEO machine. I'm on it.
0: Something. We got help us <laughs> it, seems like we, it seems like there should be a way to do this. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining me. Hopefully, we'll talk again very soon as this uh, landscape evolves. And John, when the new studies come out, you're going to call me or whatever.
2: Yeah, That's I have so. a cell <laughs> phone.
0: All right. Perfect. All right. <laughs> see you guys soon. Buddies uh, And for everyone else here, thank you for this. And I just ch- wanted to say something. Yeah, yes, have a course. moment
1: of silence for one of our favorite guests mm. who recently passed and is... Safely on the other side, probably enjoying a beautiful existence, uh, fighting, slaying the dragon from above. Dr. Vladimir Zelenko, um, he unfortunately passed away recently.
0: So let me just say that he had a terrible cancer. I wasn't really talking about it when he was still with us, but he had an intravascular sarcoma. I mean, that is a horrific tumor and he did remarkably well with it for a very long period of time and uh, you know he did so well I started hoping that he'd sort of keep going like that because it was very weird that a cancer like that uh, that he was able to keep going through it Uh, but uh, it eventually did what it what it does and uh, it's unfortunate but he lived with dignity, and he kept trying to help people he all the way to the end, to or, the agree end. or disagree with him. He was a very interesting gentleman, um, and I, he was certainly uh, mistreated on, on a lot of platforms, and that's what I didn't like. You know, yeah. you just disagree with him, fine, but don't mistreat him. That was not right. So here we go. So hopefully, uh, today felt like a much more clement conversation, a much more uh, collegial conversation, and hopefully we can continue those. Uh, tomorrow... Let's see. We have.
1: Can I share the last text I got from him? Sure. <laughs> He's so funny. He was so great. Like he got canceled on Twitter, and then he went back on Twitter, and he got all these followers. He like called everybody new. Could you just follow me on Twitter? Twitter? Can you do this? He could get followers so fast. Anyways, he said this was on Friday, June tenth. He said, "Hi, huh. my memoir is coming out in two months. We will begin pre-orders. It's called Period Zelenko." How to decapitate the serpent. Can we make a deal to promote my book?
0: <laughs> oh, is that what he wants to do? Well, let's get put to He was just in out. the
1: hospital. I I said, sure thing, how are you feeling today? So sorry to hear you in the hospital. We would love to have you back soon. The book look and the book sounds great. And thanks for making us some money on the vitamins. <laughs> but you know what? He he's got he still has vitamins out there, so if you want to support his family just go to you know. Well, in
0: the book. The book would be the, a way to sport him. The Z stack and, and uh, look for
1: the book. I'll I'll try to find his um, publicist and okay and hook it up.
0: Tomorrow, Mary Elizabeth Bailey. She had a terrible childhood. She uh, actually her mother made her shoot her stepfather, murder her stepfather. She went through horrible trauma. She's now a nurse. Has lots of thoughts about getting through uh, trauma. She has a, a Netflix show maybe in in the works regarding her childhood wild so we'll talk to her tomorrow a lot of different kinds of shows coming we're pushing through and as i always say if you want to suggest stuff go, do uh, send us an email at contact at drdrew.com. happy to look at those as well susan anything before i sign out
1: i'm not going to be here oh, the yeah. next couple of days so i will miss everybody but i will be listening and um i'll try to be on twitter spaces and keep an eye out to as okay. far as what's going on.
0: and, and um, I have to go to New York. So. Yeah, and we're going to do some shows from New York the following week. Next right? week, yeah. I've got week, my
1: so. got my uh, electronic case. Your big case. <laughs> God, it's so heavy.
0: It's like, it's like the, cake, the the briefcase with do the, you nu- bring with the it? nuclear codes. Do you want to bring it? I really don't, so but heavy. Uh, I will if you need me to. I would, because
1: I have to bring an extra bag for Pauline. I have
0: to leave very late, as you know, and I'd prefer not to wait for luggage, but whatever that's a, no that's
1: you a, don't put that under the plane you have to carry that okay. on all
0: right. in your you business remember ones. you also okay. have
2: a mixer board already in new york from last time no, he, no i don't it's
1: here it's here
2: oh. came here by accident oops
1: <laughs> no we had it sent here so that we could so that we could um remember we tried to order it and then it didn't happen um because so of, it was like that? a jewish holiday and they i guess they're the people that own the place are all jewish are we going to take it well, I thought we were going to make a second studio, so I I wasn't sure.
0: Are we going to take it? I guess
1: I could. I mean, I could bring another bag and put it in there. and put it. it seems up. like we
0: ought to have it, doesn't it, Caleb? Do
1: you want me to take it? To yeah, you? I'd leave that Caleb? in
0: New York. Just leave that one in New York. We could keep making shows and podcasts from over there. Yeah. There you go. Thank you, Dope. Okay, it's going. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. We will see you tomorrow at 3 o'clock. 273-8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdo.com slash help.